0: What's up, everybody? Good day to you. Welcome to Theology in the Dirt. My name is Mitchell Jolly, and as we talked about last time, time, Justin is on sabbatical, and we're coming to you today from the worldwide headquarters of Global Impact International, Restoration Rome. You can go to the website, restorationrome.org, and check out how we are working in our city, our state, and in our country to address the foster care crisis. And today I have a special guest. It's going to be a lot of fun today. Um, and his name is Gabriel Ethan Jolly. Welcome, Gabriel.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you. Good to be here.
0: He's better known as Gabe in his circles, and uh, and it's good to have him here. Um, Gabe is my oldest son, and uh, he's visiting uh, in between the ending of uh, the semester at the University of North Georgia and heading up to snowbird wilderness outfitters so Gabe tell us uh, tell us what you're doing home uh, what you're gonna be doing here in a little bit and uh, and uh, who are you we're gonna get into our stuff we're gonna talk about uh, we're gonna we have a topic today we're gonna talk about growing up in a pastor's home ministry church planting um, from his perspective but we're gonna have our overtime and sports hot take but I need to introduce you to our special guest
1: yeah yes yeah, so um... Uh this past semester I was up at uh UNG in Dahlonega, Um first off I started off as a kinesiology major, you know, started um getting into that world, but uh closer towards the end of this past semester I uh sort of started to change a little bit of you know what I wanna do what I wanted to do, my desire started to shift. So now I'm thinking um education. So that's sort of where I am now. History education, like to teach and coach for a little bit. Um but, but yeah, coming out of this past semester it was really good. Um Got to grow in a lot of really good ways. Got to meet a lot of awesome, awesome people. Got plugged in some really great places. Um, Concord Baptist Church up there is where I've been going. Um, The BCM at UNG, which is really, really good. Um, And yeah, so leaving there. um, Been home for a couple days. uh, Just getting to rest, you know. Finishing up finals. And then um, next week have a BCM trip down to Florida. Um, But then after that um i'm headed up to snowbird so i'll be up there all summer long um i'll be working with students mostly it's uh you know a camp up there in andrews north carolina so i'll yeah. be um, tell
0: us what snowbird is now this is your second summer working at yeah. snowbird as a uh they call your official position an intern right
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. Just summer, no. Just summer staff. Summer, summer staff, staff, right? Summer yeah, staff. No, no, interns are the people who. So like,
0: Brody Holloway will not call, text, and correct me and or you when he <laughs> listens to this. Correct? <laughs> you shouldn't know. Okay. No, 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 so no. summer staff.
1: Yeah, yeah. Just summer staff for me. Interns, they're they're the um, they're the folks that they like. um They stay there year round, so they um they take
0: sometimes take a lot of classes there. Right, um, right. Uh, you just get to work with students year-round. Um, gotcha. So so what do you do as a summer staff at Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters? So
1: um, I work with students a lot, um, but specifically the goal is to um, be able to engage with students um, in a way that um, sort of gives youth pastors a break, gives them a rest, um, but still allows them to be able to learn about their students in a way that they a lot of times wouldn't be able to do, you know, in like a regular Wednesday night setting. Um, so, like, my job is to just, you know, Engage your students, build genuine relationships, get to know them, you know, and then um, use that as an avenue for the gospel if they don't know it already. You know, and if they do, it's just, you know, I'm there to get to know them, you know, help them you know, if they have questions, be there. Yeah. Um, so
0: theology in the dirt exists uh, for us to be able to practice our theology in the public square of our homes, our church, or our, our homes, our city, and our world. And so you are quite literally getting weekly. How many weeks is Snowbird?
1: Uh, 11 weeks. I 11 weeks. So
0: you get a deluge of students who come a, who come into your life on a weekly basis yeah. in which you have to wrestle literally in the dirt of life. You have to practice the, your theology mm-hmm. in the public square of your home, which is where you were raised, your home of Andrews, North Carolina, when you're there for summer staff, the city of Andrews, and the, all the cities that are representing those students and the world that they go back to. So you're wrestling yeah. through legitimate theological challenges on yeah. a daily basis? Oh,
1: definitely. Um, I mean, just a couple examples stick out in my mind of like you know situations that of students I've had and, and that are rough, you know, and stuff that, I mean, life situations that, that are difficult for any adult human to have, but you know, you have 14-year-old boys who are like living in a certain situation like, you know, with his mom and he's like, he doesn't know how to reconcile the way his mom has been hurt by the church and the way that like his actions, like he knows what scripture says and he also knows what the church is doing. And he, he also understands that, that the church's reaction to his mother's lifestyle is not, is not healthy. You know, it's not loving. It's not the way that, that it should be handled. And you're talking you talk know, about
0: specific instances yeah, where, where you yeah, come yeah, across various exactly. things and it's, yeah. and it's multifaceted. Oh,
1: Oh, definitely. And so like you have, you have like 14, 15 year old boys who, who understand that the church messes up in a lot of ways and they also understand that they're in a position to where they can seriously impact their, the, the people around them. And so they're having to deal with situations that adults today don't know how to deal with. And these are 15, 16-year-old kids.
0: And do you the, come across kids who have no—and we're and you're talking specifically about instances in which there is some church exposure and yeah. where churches yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe do yeah. things positively and maybe they don't mm-hmm. do things positively. It's, it's negative for sure. sure. You run across kids who— um, who don't have that exposure, they're new to the faith, and you get to share the gospel and make yeah. disciples.
1: Yeah, or, or like their 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 knowledge of, of what, what the gospel even is is right severely flawed. If there's anything
0: there, yeah. so that's what you're going to spend your summer doing. Now, what is your yeah. you're going to be doing a new recreation this year, <laughs> folks? Who don't know Snowbird <laughs> Wilderness Outfitters, uh, you can check them out at uh, just Google Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, Andrew Nor- Andrew's North Carolina, and you can find some of our favorite people on the planet. Love. Snowbird, love the staff, love the yeah. people there, love Red Oak Church. They're good partners of ours. But, Gabe, you have a last year you were a three man swing guy. What is yeah. your wreck this year? Uh, this year i get to be a
1: river guide on the Nantahala. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Um, so, you're
0: going to r- guide people down the river, the Nantahala River, yep. in a raft and and navigate those rapids. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm proud of it. I'm, 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 I'm
1: excited. I'm, I'm very excited. Um, I'll get to, you know, getting some water every day get freshened up so I'm, I'm looking forward to that
0: freshened um, up meaning it's hard to bathe at snowbird woolen <laughs> outfitters on a daily basis <laughs> yeah
1: it's just you know it's um you go from one thing to the next and a lot of times you know sleep takes
0: priority so yeah that's right i yeah. understand bathing may not be a priority but in the river you're not going to get an option <laughs> no that's no, good no, no, no that's awesome yeah well gabe i'm glad that you're here today we're uh you're going to be a very apt fill-in for Justin, and we have some other guests lined up um, next week, and, and so it's going to be awesome, uh, our mm-hmm. content. Uh, so we're going to talk about today as our main topic, what it's like to grow up uh, church planting, what it was like to... Yeah, now see, that look, Gabe. You you don't hit the microphone stand as you're reaching for your communication device. I'm I'm new to this. You're new to this. this. That's right. That's okay. And so we're going to talk about those things, but we have a couple segments. And the first segment is our sports hot take. And what I've come to realize is that I don't know that the takes we have are hot takes. I kind of hate hot takes, but they're just kind of sports takes. We like sports and there's a theology to sport and competition. And so we got a whole podcast on that. <laughs> theology to sport. There is. There's a theology to sport. Paul uses sports analogies. To illustrate spiritual truths, there's a theology oh, yeah. to competition. That just reading this morning, First Corinthians nine, he doesn't box as one beating the air, but he disciplines his body and makes it his slave, so that after preaching to others, he's not disqualified. Man, that is competitive. That's there's a theology to sport, and so mm-hmm. it's not irrelevant. So it's important oh, that no. kids learn to compete, uh, and it can be in sport, it can be in a hundred other things, and so. Mm-hmm. There's a theology behind sports, which is one of the reasons why it's easy to turn sports into an idol. Yeah. Um, Idols exist because the worship of God doesn't. And so we were made to worship. And if we don't worship Jesus, we will find something to worship. Uh, Sex is easy to worship because it's two image bearers on mission. And it's either for the glory of Jesus or for the dark kingdom. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the reasons we see, I'm convinced, uh, so much in that world, um, the sexual revolution has highlighted uh, something that makes it easy for people to worship, uh, and, and so therefore, they do it aberrantly, uh, and Romans 1 is clear on how that works out. Sport is another place. Mm-hmm. The whole world of sports is a, a bastion of worshiping idols, and so that doesn't mean we stay out of it. We engage it in the right place. We put it in and the right place, and so we don't pull away from mm-hmm. sports. We do sports right, right? And so we want to have a sports take, oh, Jolly. So, oh,
1: do I have some. <laughs> so
0: listen, we could we can't take the whole podcast to talk sports because I know you could. Yeah. So give me a one-minute take on any sports thing right now. Oh, goodness gracious.
1: Um, man, uh, first thing that comes to mind is just baseball right now. So glad it's back, especially now that Ronald Acuna is back. Yeah. The Brave season started last week. Brave, the brave season actually started. Ronald Acuña got back. Um, again, it's going to be a little bit of a process. But as far as baseball goes, I have two hot takes
0: right now. I actually consider it to be hot takes.
1: Number one, Angel Hernandez is not that bad. He's bad. Don't get me wrong.
0: He's the worst ump in Major League Baseball. No,
1: he's he's bad. He's bad. But consistently, his official umpire grades have been like in the upper nineties. So like you see these Twitter accounts giving him grades of like seventy, sixty, fifty. His official umpire scorecards are in the upper nineties, because when you, when you think about it, like in terms of like watching baseball, like you have the strike zone that's like sort of implanted and planted on the TV. Right. That's sort of like a guess of a strike zone. This that's not the actual zone, right? The the umpire is the one that officially design it, like establishes the zone.
0: It looks official to me. It looks is like it, it's <laughs> like and I'm looking watching <laughs> the deal. Right.
1: But the strike zone is kind of also dependent on like the on the batter's ability to, to make contact with the ball. No and then yeah. it, it is to some extent. And then you some have extent. like um like you would you would have pitchers like um the thing that comes to mind was like the brave staff back then with like um John Smoltz, Tom Glavin and Greg Maddox. Like the way what they would do is they would just like on batters they they would just keep throwing the ball outside. They would just go a little bit farther every time. Right. Until the ump started calling it a strike. And then they would just pound that zone. Because they understood that I mean Whatever the player thinks is, is irrelevant. Whatever the, whether the ball is over the plate or not, if the ump's calling it, it's a strike. Right. Because the, what the ump sees is is what the catcher sees, and, and he's it's what the ump perceives to for yeah. the, to be the ability of the batter to make contact with the ball. Now, I'm with you. I, I think Angel Hernandez is pretty awful, but I don't think he's all that bad. Okay. So,
0: a Brave season started last week, and Angel Hernandez oh, yeah. is also, a better ump than he gets credit. Also, well, now look, you're running out of time, well, One more, one to, more.
1: Also, okay. um, right. Garrett Cole is the worst pitcher that's ever <laughs> graced a baseball mound oh wow it's pretty bad
0: that's tough yeah okay I, I, uh boy you were you didn't live in the 80s as a Braves fan <laughs> so uh please please feel free to email me at theology in the dirt at gmail.com with your bad braves pictures from the 80s and i'll share them with jolly here the eldest no, no,
1: no. i'm sure there are plenty
0: they're plenty they're plenty and so here's here's a sports take i have um Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith Boy, know what they're doing. Uh, the draft was excellent. I'm going to give it a, a, a B plus. Um I like the fact that they created cap space by extending Grady. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have room to go get a free agent, and mm-hmm. they're getting bigger. Matt Ryan did not intend to backhand his offensive line throughout the years in Atlanta, but when he commented about the Colts O-line – that he hasn't seen guys that big and that strong before. Mm-hmm. Uh, that told you how we've drafted and developed o line. Oh, yeah. Well, and I mean, you
1: know, now he has Quentin Nelson in front of him, like one of the best offensive linemen in the history of the sport. So I'm, I'm excited to get to, you know, watch Matt Ryan do what he does, but in an environment in which he's actually capable being able to do what he does.
0: Um, I'm excited for him to have that opportunity I'm as too. well. Good good for him. But I think Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith know what they're doing. I'm excited for the Falcons' future. They just – Thomas Dimitrov dug them a hole. Yeah, he did. And it's taken a while to get out of it. And Uncle Arthur didn't help either, but this whole nope. Falcons for life mess. And yeah, um, Uncle
1: Uncle Art has – to decrease in my personal graces here recently,
0: I don't have. A, he just really wants to win, and he, oh, he and he's loyal to his employees yeah, and, and his players, a, almost right. to a fault. Oh, definitely to a fault. Like when you look at Atlanta
1: United, Carlos Bocanegra needs the boot. Well, so that's not a real sport. So let's okay. stick to okay. the real sports. Okay, <laughs> talk about a hot
0: take. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> oh god, yeah, we're not going to talk about. Yeah, we're not going to talk about that <laughs> European. <laughs> trash called soccer Anyway, so those are our sports takes for today and uh and so it's been fun to talk that we we could go down the rabbit hole with Matt Ryan. You guys have been watching oh, him since he would drafted in Atlanta. We go to Falcons yeah. training camps, the jolly boys. I saw your Falcons helmet. Yeah, You brought it sitting on the dryer. Your know. Matt Ryan Falcons well, mini yeah, helmet.
1: I brought it home. I brought it home from uh, school because <laughs> it's in the chaos of trying to leave Monday. I didn't have enough room to leave it at the house. That's good. In the laundry, so I just st- stuck it in my laundry bag, and so wow. it's just sitting there for me to take. But yeah, I had it sitting on my yeah on my
0: desk in my dorm room. So that's awesome. We love Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. He uh he, they've met him, and ha- he signed stuff for them for years, and so we mm-hmm. have Matt Ryan Stein stuff. We didn't care anything about getting it authenticated. We don't care. It's ours, right. and so yeah. it's just cool. We we've so anyway. That's our sports take for the day. Now we move to our segment called Overtime. And Overtime is where we discuss any leftover theological topics that have been coming at us for the past week or we had leftover from uh, from our engagement in our local church. And so, Gabe, you may not have a leftover overtime thing, but uh, as the guest, you get to go first. Is there any theological topic hanging out there you've been discussing or walking through with people? Now, again, it's not the main segment, so we don't want to take yeah. a ton of time, yeah, but sure. you can introduce the topic. And sometimes they make for good topics later.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, one of the things that's come up a lot, for me at least, um, is the idea of, we're just talking about Calvinism, you know, with a lot of people. Oh, uh, well, no. Yeah, well, no, now Don't say the C oh, word on here, man. <laughs> listen. <laughs> listen, 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 trust me. I'm with you. Um, it was. People so, are going to listen to this and go, oh, God. No, 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 no. Just wait, wait, listen, I'm going with this. Um, so th- this sort of also really comes into one of the things that, um, or I think we're gonna get to talk about later um, is sort of the way that I've been learning to read the Old Testament, and how, and ha- and the actual effects that that has on, on, on our on our New Testament theology, because this should have all, all the impact in the world, right? You know? Because I mean, you have the guys in the El- in the New Testament. Like, I feel like the focus on the New Testament is. Is good, but I feel like it's it's not as good as it could be if you don't have proper context as to where they're coming from.
0: They're preaching from the Old Testament, exactly. And, they're and, not making stuff up. Yeah,
1: and one of the things that I'm learning to do is to read the Old Testament not like a 21st century American, but to read the Old Testament as a first century Hebrew. Where'd you learn that at? Um, I can't think. No, I nobody really comes to mind. I
0: can't. Hmm. I can't. I don't know. Where are you gonna eat supper tonight? <laughs> That's what I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> Oh, uh. uh.
1: <laughs> no, It was—it was definitely, def, definitely you. Um.
0: Oh, really? That's awesome. Yeah. You're, oh, yeah. Where did you go to church at? Where did you grow up?
1: Somewhere near here, I think.
0: Okay. Yeah. We're not church specific, which is a <laughs> lie. Right, but anyway, uh, I digress. Yeah, that's right. Three Rivers Church. That's right. Biblical theology it's they a it's a discipline yeah. in which exactly. Luke twenty four is practiced. Jesus said, "Everything written about me in the law, of the Mo- law of Moses, prophets, and the Psalms has to be fulfilled." Yeah,
1: and and I mean, like those, uh, like specifically, I think John does a really good job of this, like in writing his his gospel is is being able to write about Jesus from the perspective of the Old Testament. Because like, even the way he opened it up, like um, the Word was with God and the Word was God, he's not talking about—the implications there are so, so deep. It is. It's, it's, it's rich. It's so unbelievably deep because you talk about Jesus being the Word, you then talk about Jesus being the, the manifestation of Yahweh's communication with man.
0: Yeah, he's preaching from an Old Testament theology of who God is to a Greek audience. By the way— The book Ephesiology is a must read on um, the global work of the gospel Uh, in studying John, the apostle John, his work in Ephesians and the global work that happened from Ephesus um, through that network of Ephesus and John's theology as the as an elder at Ephesus. Uh, and his him being able to tailor his gospel account to a Greek-speaking audience with an Old Testament theology. Like it's yeah. the book Ephesiology is worth. Anybody's listening to this, get the book and read it. It'll bless you, but it'll give you a ton of strategy for engaging your city because yeah. it's right there in the text. So John is doing a marvelous job oh, definitely. of taking and, his Old Testament theology and applying it. Yeah, because like,
1: if if the Old Testament really is about Jesus— you know, and, and one of the things I'm learning is that it, it's not just that the Old Testament is about Jesus. Every word, every letter, every phrase, every sentence, every chapter, every book is is there for the purpose of building a narrative that lays, the, that sets the stage for Jesus. Yes. And and once you start to learn the Old Testament, like, once you start to learn to read the Old Testament like that, everything starts to make so much more sense. Mm-hmm. And then connecting this back with Calvinism. Because yeah, I was going to say, how we get back yeah, to the yeah. big C? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I work up in Delonica, I worked at Chick-fil-A for a couple months, um, just to make some money while I was up there. And I, uh, several of my coworkers uh, were, were believers, and, and they went to another church in Dahlonega. Um And one of my coworkers, he was Catholic, and another one of my coworkers was um, Christian, Baptist, hardcore Calvinist. Um, and uh, I got to have a lot of good conversations with them. And, and th- then another coworker, she found out I was... I was like, oh, are you a Christian? I was like, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. and the very next thing she said, I maybe said two words to her before this conversation was, are you Calvinist? And I'm like, why? Why is that the first question that someone asked me? Why is that one of the first considerations? Because I think it's, it's it has to do with people's fascination with the idea that that we are, to a certain extent, um um.
0: I well mean, the whole the whole concept this, of
1: like, election ex- exactly exactly and and not not to say that like you know there isn't there isn't a, a scriptural grounds for that well yeah it starts but in the Old Testament it, exactly and and what, what my problem with the way Calvinists sort of carry themselves today is is I feel like there's a very sort of there's a demeaning attitude toward human will sure and and I feel and, and ignorant. You, Ignorant yeah. Calvinists. Yes, yes, that's true. That's true. And I, I, I feel like when you read when you read the Old Testament and you see stories specifically, and then this this is this is one of the comparisons that's like really been very central in in my walk with the Lord recently. It's just one of the things that's jumped out at me from the word. And it's really cool because I had the moment of realization actually with you um, when I was back home for a couple of days during um, Aunt Mel's birthday. I talk about this, Um, but um, specifically the two stories of um, Abraham and Moses, and then um, Mount Sinai and Sodom and Gomorrah, Mm -hmm. because what you have is you you have two different stories with the same plot, same characters, but two very different endings, and there's a reason for that. So you have Yahweh and a man on top of a mountain looking down at a people that have turned away are living in the midst of abhor- of abhorrent sin, mm-hmm. and then you have Yahweh who expresses his his intent on destroying this group of people for their rebellion. And the way he does it is very sort of like, I'm going to do this. Now it's your turn to respond. You know, because like, like specifically with, with, um, he allows him to intercede. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There's intercession. Right. And, um, and, and it's, it's not that like he does it in a way that manipulates this person into, into sort of trying to step in between, forcing him to do so. It's an open discussion and he's inviting man into the decision making of the divine because he's saying, listen, I created man to be partners in my domain. Yeah. Like in in, in Genesis in Genesis when when Yahweh says I like, come let us make man in our own image that that word it's selam which is like uh, that word means idol. Like in idol statues they they establish domain. Mm-hmm. Right? And so we are to be image bearers and bears of of Yahweh's domain and his decision making and his will amongst creation that his, was our intent
0: or his co regents in created exactly. order so we carry a volition that counts and matters yeah, right most definitely and then and it's not irrelevant no it's not irrelevant at all
1: and so and that's exactly what we see because then Yahweh says leave me that my wrath may burn hot specifically to Moses right and that's that's not like a you know go away because if he wanted to do this he could have easily done it but he says leave me that I may pout <laughs> you know, so, right. sort of in opening the door for Moses to be like hey don't don't do that because cuz cuz and and then the appeal of both Moses and Abraham at this point uh, in the face of this revelation is their appeal isn't to this is wrong right because they understand that right and wrong is not defined by any outside source other than Yahweh Yahweh is the definition of good. He 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 is this the 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 metric by which good and evil is measured. That's right. So so when so they understand this. So their appeal isn't to don't do this because it would be wrong. Their appeal is don't do this because it would go against your character. Yeah. Their appeal is save your character. Save your. Your your perception amongst the people of the earth. Yeah, you know, you made a promise with these people, right? You know, and then that promise is 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 the differentiating, differentiating like um you know, a factor between the both stories because you have the Hebrews and, and they're underneath the covenant with Yahweh, right? And then you have people of Sodom and Gomorrah who are underneath no covenant. That's right. And 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 even still, they have two two situations where there is an open discussion between man and Yahweh about. The action that Yahweh is yeah. going to take,
0: and and make it super clear, we're not talking about open in regard to open theism in that um, <clears throat> God doesn't know the end oh, or yeah. has fixed the end. Oh, we're not talking sure. about that. We're we're, yeah. we're talking about you know the fact that we have a legitimate role to play with God as yeah. co-regents and agents of His kingdom, where our volition matters, exactly. our wills matter. So yeah. Calvinism, number one, I want to state. I don't like the word Calvinism because no, I'm not a Calvinist. Yep. And the yep. reason I'm not a Calvinist is I don't believe in infant baptism. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in the state running the government or yep. the government running the state and all those yep. things Calvin affirmed. And so we believe the Bible. We believe the in election because the Bible teaches. Yep. Election is central to the plan and mission of God, but yep. election does not deny volitional capacity on the part of humans in any stretch whatsoever. It doesn't make us sovereign, but it also doesn't make us, we're not puppets on strings. That's never taught in the Bible.
1: Oh yeah, and and I think if you taunt with anybody who would just on their face call themselves a Calvinist, I think if you sort of like explain this to them, they're like, oh, okay, that makes sense because they they accept you know the doctrine of election predestination, they get that, but I don't think they necessarily understand.
0: They're cage stage. They're exactly. at that place where they need exactly. to be caged up and are right. not allowed to speak to other humans for <laughs> a few months until they read their Bible yeah. and put down exactly other authors.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and but then. Um, Going back to the two stories, um, I mean, you have specifically with Abraham and Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, it's it's Abraham sort of opens up the floor. Like, okay, well, what if there is this some a certain number of, of righteous men in the city? Would you destroy it? And I was like, no. And Abraham keeps going. Then he keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And smaller. And what, what you see very quickly is it's not a negotiation. Right. Right. It's it's because negotiation is haggling. Right. It's going right. back and forth. Like, I'll give you this. You give me this. You give yeah. me this. It, the numbers, and it settles in between what the two original parties wanted. Right. But what's happening here is not that. It's Abraham keeps asking for more and more and more and more and more, and Yahweh keeps giving, 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 giving. Right. Ask,
0: part. and it will be given to you. Right. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. Right. And And, and the question then becomes,
1: like, okay, well, could, could we have gone any further? How far could we have gone? And we, we don't know because, you know, Abraham stopped. But, but, and then, you know, as the story goes, that number of righteous men is not found in the city. It's just a lot. And so then Yahweh destroys it. But the missing component there is there's not a promise. Right? With the story of, of Moses and, and, and Israel, Mount Sinai, you have an intercessor and you have a promise. Right. So you have a man who is appealing to Yahweh's character, and the promise that He made, because they're in relationship, right? They're in a covenantal right. relationship, exactly. And one of the key parts in there is is the fact that there's an intercessor, right? The fact that there is a human being who decides to stand between Yahweh and a sinful people and plead for the plead for the sinful people's salvation, based upon a promise that Yahweh made. Like, this are there any bells ringing? No, man, it's just, it's
0: solid, it's solid gold. There's the applause.
1: I hate that.
0: I mean, you just, you're bringing, (laughs) you're bringing gospel gold. You're bringing the connection. There's so much gospel gold in that. Yeah. It's beautiful.
1: And, and, you know, that just goes back to my original point. It's like, as, as long as, like, when, when, if your theology is defined by two chapters in Romans... You got it. you got to open it up a little bit, man.
0: No, that's solid. Yeah. I love there, it. There
1: is so much more that comes with theology other than Romans nine and ten. Yeah, but there's, there there is a whole. Like,
0: What's well, the whole Bible exactly? It's Genesis like, there's one so to much Revelation. More Bible, like,
1: if if your obsession with theology is wrapped up within two chapters of Romans, I mean, you, you got you got to look further, yeah. man. Because yeah, there's absolutely. so much more important, so much more. There's just you're you're missing the picture.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know? No, that's good. That's good. I I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you're wrestling you're wrestling with wrestling with other people in that. There's there has to there is this fascination in certain subcultures with um, the will of man and the will of God, and it becomes a, an unnecessary fascination. I, I've always taught you guys read your Bible. I gave you a Bible reading plan. Read through your Bible. Know your Bible. Don't read other authors more than you read your Bible. By all means, read other authors, but along with your Bible and develop your own theology coming directly from the text. And if the text affirms that you have a volition that makes a difference, then you ought to. If it affirms that God is sovereign over your volition, then you believe that. (laughs) If it teaches that God is going to get his work done with you partnering with him, but him still being sovereign, you better affirm it. And that's where a good John frame Helps everybody out. And so, yeah. a good systematic theology to help you wrestle through those. And yeah. we, we do lean reformed. And sure. I even hate that language because it carries with it all kinds of certain baggage, but we believe in every verse of the Bible mm-hmm.
1: and yeah. its proper
0: interpretation and application. Yeah. And that's kind of where I like to hang it. But yeah. that's good stuff, Jolly. I appreciate it. So, I think it's pretty evident as we talk about, we move from overtime. Into our main topic of what was it like being raised in a home, a church planting home, a pastor's home, who was multi vocational? Um, I think the discussion we've had so far, it's pretty evident that uh, you don't hate the church, you don't hate God, you don't hate me, uh, your mom. Um, so, I think there is an epidemic uh, among a lot of people where. In ministry, um, kids hate the church. They hate mom or dad um, because mom or dad or ministry wrecked their home and wrecked Mm -hmm. their parents and wrecked their lives. I think it's pretty evident from hearing you talk today that's not the case. So uh, you were born June 25th, 2001. Mm -hmm. Uh, You were born right before September the 11th happened. We're still in Fort Worth, Texas. Mom and I are finishing up our master's degrees at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. So you have an honorary Southwestern baby degree somewhere in all of our stuff. (laughs) You you really do? Yeah, you really do. And so, uh, I I mean, it doesn't count. Like, you don't have a master's degree, but you got, then we got something about having a baby in seminary. It's somewhere. So anyway, (laughs) but uh, September 11th happens. We finish the semester. We come back here. And, and we start the process of planting a church from Northwood Church, Keller, Texas, Bob Roberts. Um, we're part of local net. Um, and so we get busy getting after that work. So you've known nothing but planning for and executing yeah. planting a church, working around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so from the time y'all were little, I was leaving to go to back, tough places, hard places, um, working jobs, planting a church. What has that experience been for you? I think – one of the
1: things that um, would, would set me apart um, at least at least my experience growing up in that world set, would, would set it apart um, is the fact that the work that that you devoted so much of, of your life to, specifically in my early childhood and then, and then mom too, the, the work that y'all did was not fruitless, it was not pointless. It was It was biblically based in truth. And it had a good mission, a good vision, and the ability to execute. And the fact that I think the Lord provided so much for that vision to be executed is evidence of the fact that those years were not wasted. Your work was not in vain. I mean, we're sitting here right now in the midst of the fruit of your labor and the fruit of the labor of Three Rivers Church and so many other people. Right. You know, like— the work that has been done in this community and is going to be done in this community because the foundation that you were able to lay 21 years ago is, is, is evident, you know, and, and I feel like that's one of the things that really, that really sets sort of sets my experience apart is because you have a lot of these and I got to meet a lot of really good people this year, you know? Um, and I've met a lot of good people who, who grew up in the church, whose, whose parents were, were, were in the ministry. And then um, I've, I've met, people from all over the spectrum. You know, I've met people who, who sort of like me, who their churches were solid. Their parents were solid. Like there was, there was nothing lacking. Yeah. And they, and they turned
0: out, it turned out. Okay. Yeah. They know? turned out. And okay. Then, right. Yeah. And when you see that other thing happen, I, I think one of the phenomena, and just, just want to shout out here to Jeff and Mary Margaret, the, these guys who make this run here, who, who are president and CEO of global impact international and, um, Jeff's a former elder, three rivers, and he had to leave Eldering to go be uh, a full-time unpaid CEO of our other nonprofit to make this happen. And these guys are brilliant because they have other vocations. They're blueberry farmers and, um, and multiple other things uh, that they have going on. And they make this place spin. It's because they love this DNA of global of domain engagement. And so we started, I'm working a job. I'm planting a church. Mama's, Mothering, working a job um but one of the things I think we always strove for was to make sure our theology started at home before yeah. it went into planting a church, and so we defaulted to home before anything else did you did you feel that I think so um
1: and I think that's become more evident now, you know later in life um as me as me and john mark and daniel are are starting to get older, you know grow up um think looking back i can really tell where your mom tried to really lay the foundation mm-hmm. and i feel like you did a good job and, and 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 it's i know you did a good job because it's coming back up because you know right. like in, in things that that i'm learning today you know they'll call on stuff like oh wait like I, I know this like i remember this i remember that and i see how i see how i'm starting to connect the dots right
0: you know right Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's huge. I mean, it's, it's beautiful to sit here. You and I've had these discussions before. This isn't the first time we've talked about this, but to, to hear again, the, the fact that, uh, there's fruit coming off of your life, uh, is, is beautiful to hear. It's good as a dad, it's good as a pastor. Um, and so I'm proud of that. I'm proud of you. Um, because you have to take it and do something with it. like it's it's one thing yeah. if we sow the seed of our time and our effort and our energy and our teaching, it's another thing for that to take root by God's power and grace and might. and for you then though to cultivate like you you have a job to do. you have yeah. to take it and and run with it. you have to cultivate it. you have to make it your own um, and you're doing that and and that's that's absolutely special. I think one thing I would like for you to speak to, uh, is the studies that go out about kids leaving home, leaving their churches, and yeah. d- and walking away from the faith? Oh yeah. Um, why haven't you done that? Why? Because we've had a robust theological discussion today. Yeah. Why haven't you jettisoned what you've been taught? Well, because I I think one
1: of the things that really helps, um, and this is just a quick bridge to connect, is like the fact that that the vision that that sort of gave rise to Restoration Rome. Is is something that's that's replicatable. It doesn't start. It doesn't stop here, right? You know, it, it, it doesn't not it doesn't stop here. Like the model of like KDSC and engaging our domains does not stop in Rome, Georgia. It does right. not stop in Floyd County. It does not. It doesn't even stop in Georgia. Like it, it, it's something that is replicatable globally, right? You know and, and it's 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 a model that 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 fits into every aspect of life because it's biblical. Because it's right. It, it's it's just being obedient. It just, it just gives us, you know, an easy way of, of, of frameworking that. Yeah. And so, so for me, I've, I've, I've seen how, how this is done right, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I, I was just, I was, I was blessed enough to be able to, to be born into, into a household where, where, where the Great Commission was, is done right. Mm. You know, it's interpreted correctly on the local and global scale. And Mm. I've seen how it works. No, you know, and, uh, I've also seen how it doesn't work and, and in, I've, I've and going back to, um, what i said about meeting people, like, you know, I've, I've met a lot of kids who grew up in the church and, and it worked, you know, it worked out okay. Right. Know? But then I've also met a lot of people where it didn't. Right. You know, I've met a lot of people who, who are pastor's kids and they are in a different phase of life, man. Right. You know, and, and those are the people who've walked away and I've seen that, you know, and I've been able to talk to them, hear their stories and, and Right, and I, I feel like the 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 part that's got to do with a lot of kids walking away. I mean, it's number one. I feel like it, it can start with um, not finding a church, mm. not getting plugged in, because kids can go, and there there are a lot of other factors. You know, there are a lot of other factors. This is not just the only one, but but it's a big one. You know, and I think I think it was definitely one of the things that really, you know really, you know, set set the tone.
0: Yeah. Well, church has been the, the, the manifestation. We say KDSC, the Gospel of the Kingdom makes disciples who hear and obey the Lord, and they they hear and obey the Lord in their vocational domains of society, and from there Jesus builds His church. So yeah. the church has always been the manifestation of the deeper rooting of the Kingdom of God starts at home. Yeah. So we default to home. Yeah. We don't. We try not to give more time to other stuff than we give the home. Exactly.
1: And like the vision of the church is is not is not the church itself. It's the kingdom. Exactly. Right. Exactly. The vision of the church of the kingdom. So the church and, is in its right place. Right. Exactly. And and I feel like that's one of the things that a lot of people miss because growing up they just feel like church is just, you know, it's just community. I mean, and that's that's, and that's, that's the attitude of, of a lot of people towards religion. It's like they see it as a good thing because it provides community. It provides right. like that sort of social aspect. Like, that, that's not just it. That's, 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 a, that's a byproduct. Right. that's not the goal the goal is the kingdom the goal is, is 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 to bring that about to bring about the restoration of the world through the sacrifice of Jesus by the command of Yahweh yeah and once you start to view the world like as that the church falls in its proper place yeah and, that's right and I feel like uh, with a lot of kids you know they for them they, their context of the church is just it, the it vision
0: just, sells it, the vision begins and ends in the church and it exactly. aborts there
1: yeah exactly and and so for them like when they come into college, they're like ah, church is just it's just something that yeah it's just community and i can find community elsewhere sure. yeah. you know i I can, I can go to so many other places of my community yeah. so why would i go to the church right why would i do that on my, one of my only days off on sunday and so right but but again that's because their framework is off Their framework is off exactly. that's right
0: and and i and, and because I, I, again like you see there's multiple factors i think one is poor evangelism poor yeah. child evangelism it starts yeah. with um their salvation is rooted in probably more the parents' own desire for security and mm-hmm. making sure their kids are, quote, saved. Well, the church's own desire for security. Right. We want to make sure these kids are not going to hell before we're concerned that they're disciple for the kingdom. Yeah. And if you yeah. start with rescue from hell before discipled into yeah. the vision of the kingdom yeah. of God, you might not get any of it. Because the kid might not be, truly be converted. So so one of the differences is when you start with the gospel of the kingdom, I, I think the end result will be actually converted kids yeah. who hang on to their faith because that's what converted kids do. They believe the gospel and they're not going to let it go. And they may wrestle with it and wrestle through it, but they're not going to let it go.
1: Yeah. And salvation
0: so, salvation is a means to the end. It's not the end. Yes. It's not the end. The end is the kingdom. Yeah, the end's the full establishment of the kingdom among, among all nations, right? So you guys watch that, not just in word but in deed. Yeah, you know. And so those times I left y'all, you know, I think the first uh, first time I left y'all was two thousand four. Y'all were mm-hmm. well. You have been three. John Mark was still scooting on his butt, uh, wearing <laughs> wearing holes in the back end of his stuff. 'Cause he couldn't crawl, he had to scoot because of that hernia. And uh and I'm leaving you guys to go to South Asia. Yeah. So y'all have known nothing but go into places where daddy might not come home. Mm-hmm. Um because that's what we do. Yeah. And so it's been rooted into you that there is an end to this. Yeah. And it's the kingdom of God. Um, so you you you'd say their experience would say their salvation. I think one of the things that sets y'all apart is you've been serving yeah. since you could walk. Like there's never been a moment of consumption for y'all. Yeah. Like you've been serving, whether it's setting up chairs, preparing Lord's supper, turning off lights, taking out trash. Y'all worked in kids ministry after you got out of kids ministry, and you're in student ministry. And then, yeah. and so, talk about quickly how student ministry, the kids stuff and the student stuff, maybe uh, benefited where you are now. I think, um, cause it's different. It, like nothing it, it, it we do is, different. Yeah. is con- a consumable commodity. It's something to be given and served mm-hmm. uh, on the part of the big people.
1: For sure. And, and I think, um, so from the ground up so, you know, with, with, with kids ministry. Um, I feel like, um, when, it, when I was, when I was, when I was down there, um, it was good, you know? Um, but I think, Y'all, as far as kids ministry at three years, it really hit its stride when I got in the youth group because then it, 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 we started to be able to actually tailor a curriculum towards KDSC. Like, how do we how do we instill these patterns of up in and out of, of up in and out in you know in their minds and get them to understand that? So you were aware of that? that? I mean, I'm just gonna. I mean, I, I feel like I, w- I wasn't aware of it at the time, but but now looking back, I'm like, oh, I can see. So you sort of see where that connects. And and I feel like and especially and then
0: because it's not explicit in the, I mean the kids no. the kids know domains they yeah. know those kind of things but like I don't think it, anybody ever says up in and out to you like you heard it in sermons
1: yeah yeah like and, it, and also it doesn't need to be explicit because as long as as long as you, you sort of you, you you train you train them to to view the world through a mission mindset they're gonna get it eventually mm. they're gonna get it eventually and 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 it, that it really helps once you start to get in a youth group. Mm-hmm. And I, I got the pleasure of getting to sit in on um, Wednesday Night Youth Group this past week. Um, and Stephen Galloway was leading, and he did. He killed it. He killed it. They were going through KDSC and they were talking about. Uh, what?
0: Time out. Time out. They're teaching the DNA of our church, yeah. Kingdom Disciple yeah. Society Church in yeah. student
1: ministry? Yeah. Yeah. They're walking through Kingdom Disciples. So Society they didn't church play and, booger games? Oh, no. <laughs> well, there was plenty of that. You oh, know, they did some booger yeah. games. Okay. I got but, you. But it, it was really, really good because yeah. Stephen just talked about society, and he talked about who we are as humanity and where we as a church fit into society, right? And what we need to do to properly fill that role, yeah, to properly be, begin to fill in the gaps, right? And and he did a, Stephen did a really good job, awesome, and um, and it, it was it was really cool because I was like, man, I can see the progression from like kids ministry, yeah, then now to student ministry, and then like okay hey you know this you know these stories that you know from childhood this is where they fit into the big picture and then this is what we need to take away from that mm. and um
0: that's good to hear cuz i i feel like it's always a constant it, it's a constant uh it, it's a constant challenge to get people to understand that we don't go back to a church framework the church is produced from the kingdom so we're moving from the kingdom into what the church ought to look like and that doesn't mean we reverse engineer back to a an entertainment or consumption mindset, but we're yeah. discipling you for the kingdom of God, which has right. to be tangibly different. And what I'm encouraged by is you sitting here having these this level of theological discussion because you're a product of that. And I don't think it's just because it's my home. People are going to say, well, yeah, Jolly, you're a whatever you are. I talk theology. Blah, 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 blah. I didn't do this full time for many of the years. Y'all were raised. We were multivocational. I had multiple jobs uh, in the insurance industry, in the education field. Uh, I drug y'all to football games when y'all were little, being on the sidelines of football Mm -hmm. games with Coach Joe Curtis, yelling at you (laughs) and everybody else. And you've been in the education and sports world, um, and it hadn't all been – just church stuff right no no it hasn't um and i think but you've gotten
1: it yeah yeah because because it's clicked for me you know and i feel feel like i've also been i've been fortunate enough to have so many you know um solid just good
0: people investing in your life
1: exactly yeah just just like, like men who love the lord right who know their stuff and yeah. they have a vision for what the church is. And they've been able to impart that to me.
0: Yeah, they have. And,
1: and, I, and I feel like a lot, a lot of times, like, you know, I can sort of get caught up, like, you know, specifically like in, in, our, in our little, in our uh, small group settings of the BCM this past semester, I sort of get, you know, we have a lot of really fun conversations. And, and I feel like there's, there's a lot of, like, knowledge that I get to impart. Right. And when people talk about, like, oh, man, you know, Gabe, just, man, just all the wisdom you've got. For me, I'm like, one of the things I've learned is like, no, 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 no. It's not wisdom. It's head knowledge. It's good knowledge. But it's knowledge that I only know because I've been fortunate enough to have to have men who know this stuff teach it to me. Right. You know? And so for me, like, that's not wisdom. That's just me being able to learn. It's wisdom the fruit of other people's with, investment. It's the fruit of other people. Exactly. Exactly. So like, like what I know is, is not what I know because I know it. It's what I know because people have taken the time right. to pour into me and say, hey, this is this, this is that, and yeah. this is this is where you fit into this narrative. This is where you fit into this vision and mission and this these are the ways you can you yeah. can you can act on that yep and
0: that's huge the, the last thing we'll, we'll talk about and we need to wrap up because we're getting incredibly long into our podcast and there's nothing wrong with that. That's completely good um, is the high, idea of rhythm a life rhythm uh, one of the things we talked about this past week we talked uh, we talked about family maturity from Colossians 3 uh, 18 to 21 and rhythm repetition and relationship I think I think uh, it, there's been a rhythm set to our life mm-hmm. and the rhythm has been begin with the family, the kingdom of God, move into the life of the church from our domains from our jobs our vocations and it's been repeatable. So we get up on Monday, we go to work. I mean, you guys been listening to Christian information. Remember the podcast we used to listen to on the way to work? Yeah. Um, so we so there, there's a rhythm to life. There's a rhythm, and we repeat it Monday yeah. through Friday. Saturday, we're chilling. We're watching Georgia football. Uh, in the evenings, there's a rhythm to our day. We get up yeah. and go about our day. We come home, and we gather. We eat supper together. We gather. We sit around the TV we watch our favorite shows we pile on the couch, yeah. right? This rhythm of life that we repeat has, I think, led to this fruit also. Yeah. And so it's been an integrated rhythm. So I don't even know if you're aware of that. I'm planting that on you now. It's just, it's been our plan is to have a rhythm yeah. that's repeatable and it's done in our family relationships and our family's part of a local church. So how's that rhythm affected stuff for you? Well, I mean, I
1: think it's, I mean, yeah, I mean, I've, I've definitely picked up on that, you know. And
0: we still do the rhythm, by the still, way. Oh, it's yeah. built in. Oh, it definitely is. And if we don't pile in front of the television after supper and watch TV, like some of us obsolete. are a little, yeah, it's not complete.
1: No, like yeah. if if we don't spend time, you know, watching Moon Knight, Breaking Bad, whatever it is. <laughs> well,
0: well, watch out! You mean wait? So, so we don't sing worship songs and read the Bible together after supper? <laughs> No, No, that'd
1: be a little, little, little culty,
0: and I don't know if I'd feel comfortable. (laughs) Hey, listen, listen. I know people that are in the Christian subculture. Listen, I'm probably going to get a dirty email from this, but (laughs) family worship just didn't work for us. No, our whole lives it does does for some people. Yeah, for some people, and if it does for you, God bless you. Keep doing it. But for Mm. us, our lives revolve around the kingdom of God, and so it's like Deuteronomy six, right? We talk about this stuff all the time. It's not like yeah. the night after supper is the only time God gets mentioned and we talk theology and life. Yeah. It's all day with us. Yeah. That's what we do. It's built into our rhythm. It's part of the rhythm. So yeah. part of the rhythm of the day is too for us to end up together in a relationship. Yeah. And so we pile, you know, and, and on Fridays it would all be piling in the living room and falling asleep the night at the museum or <laughs> cars or watching everybody sleeping on the couch and eating Doritos and drinking Dr. Pepper or whatever <laughs> or, or Coke. Right. And so, That rhythm has affected the outcome, I feel like.
1: Oh, definitely. Definitely. And and I mean, that's, it's one of the things that I'm I'm fortunate enough to have been able to be raised in. Yeah. But that's not the case for a lot of people, you know, because in a lot of people, they get, they, their only source of, of kingdom vision is Sunday morning church. Right. And the vision there is off. Yeah. You know, and that's. And, and and the road to 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 fixing that and making sure the vision becomes on in every church. Like like you know, like you say, what if the church was the missionary? And that's not where the church in America is right now. And if it was, the world would look a lot different. And yeah. that, that's what it should be. It yeah. should be that way. The church is supposed to be the missionary. Right. But it's not. And a lot of people they don't they don't know how that looks and unfortunately they don't get to they don't get to live their lives or they they don't get to have that experience of of what I was so fortunate enough to be able to grow in, up in which which was the way I feel like this is supposed to work right was it perfect no but it's never going to be perfect and right. you can't expect it to be perfect correct and and I i feel like it's it's, it's one of those things that um, the church is, is, is going to, it's one of those things that the church in America is, if it gets it right, it's
0: going it's to change the world. Absolutely. Well, Gabe, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you in here. Uh, as, as we get ready to go, um, why don't you tell us um, about quickly your podcast and uh, what you and your buddy are doing up at the uh, University yeah. of North Georgia?
1: Yeah. So, me and uh, my buddy Eli Sorrow, um, we're taking over a podcast that already exists. It's called "Reclaiming the Bible Belt" by Joseph Dockery. He's a college pastor at Concord in Delano,ga right now, um, and he's sort of handing me out Eli the reigns and um, It's going to be talking about what I just laid out, which was you know the church is not in a position to carry out the mission. The vision itself is off. So, what do we do to get back get that back on track?
0: What's the name of your podcast?
1: Uh, "Reclaiming the Bible Belt." You can follow us on Instagram at rtbbpod. And uh, we have an email, rtbbpod at gmail.com. If you have any questions, any topics you want us to discuss, um, those are the ways you can uh, get in contact with us.
0: Dude, that's absolutely awesome. Hey, Gabriel Jolly, yeah. I love you, and I'm proud of you. Thank you. Love You're a you good too. man, and uh, I'm proud of your work. Hey, guys, we appreciate you listening to Theology in the Dirt. You can find us uh, on the blog at Theology in the Dirt at uh, theo- www.theologyinthedirt.com. Uh, you can uh, send us an email at Theology in the Dirt at gmail.com if there are any questions you'd like to ask. And uh, sermon notes are placed on that blog and other things that, that we write and publish for you guys. We appreciate you listening uh, from all over the world. We appreciate the audience. We appreciate the interaction. It's been a lot of fun. Don't forget to check out RestorationRome.org if you want to know how to get involved in the. Foster Care and Adoption Crisis in Georgia, the United States, and the world. God bless you guys. We appreciate you listening in. Y'all have a great rest of your day. Out.